With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. It's that time again, Geek Blockheads. Go ahead and save your progress on Zelda Wind Waker. And you know what? Actually, you can keep playing Zelda, and I will never, ever say that any other time on my show. You're going to have to shut down everything. You can't even shop on Think Geek, but I will let you play Zelda. Um, And settle in for the Geek Block. I'm your host, Carla Hoke. My guest today is someone I can't believe I haven't had on the show. When someone has said something about, hey, if you hadn't had Nadine on the show, I'm like, sure, I've had her on the And I look back and I think, no, I, I totally haven't had her on a show. There's been a, a few times, a few times I've almost called her and thought, no, she's, but she hasn't been on here. I first heard her name through Steve Lobby. He and I were chatting at a writer's conference and Nadine walked by and he told me, he said, look out for that one. And if you know Steve Lobby, you know exactly that he leaned over and he looked over the edge of his glasses and he pointed And uh, he said that she was going to be a great author at that point. Her first book had not hit the market yet, but he had read it and absolutely loved it. And Steve's never wrong. That's just kind of how he works. He's on an always right kind of plane of existence. My guest today is award-winning author Nadine Brandis. How are you today, Nadine? I'm doing great, Carla. I didn't know Steve said that to you. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know what, Steve, for some reason, the two of us very much click. And anytime we're in the same place, we get together and we just chat. And he will look around the room and he'll point out people, hey, watch out for this one. She's going to be never negatively. That one's going to be great. This one's got one coming out. Mm-hmm. And he tells me the dates of everything. But yes, he absolutely. And he even paused and gave me that that side look. He has a side look that he gives. <laughs> and he said, you know, the one I'm talking about. He said, that one, she's going to yes. be a good one. Her book coming out is fantastic. But okay. And so I wrote your name down. And here we are. I don't know how many years later. I'm finally coming through with it. Okay. The first thing I do is I ask, uh, ask the author, how can people find you on social media? Well, if you search Nadine Brandis, you'll pretty much find me everywhere. So NadineBrandis.com is my website. And that has the link to all of my social media but thankfully, I have a unique enough name where I don't have too many other Nadine Brandises vying for That's my true. Twitter handle or Facebook handle. So, yeah, I'm usually mainly on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are my, my top three. Yes, and I love your website. I don't know, are you in charge of that or did you hand that off to someone else? I'm in charge of that. I uh, I put it together when I first got my writing contract, and I think wow. I was just fueled by excitement over my contract. So I braved the world of HTML and CSS. Oh. Ta-da! <laughs> That's it's painful. It is. Do you like? Do you enjoy social media? I always ask the author that as well. The first two questions are always the same. Where can we find you and do you enjoy it? And I'll tell you what, the do you enjoy it is split right down the middle. Do you enjoy social media? 
I love it. I love social media because I love connecting with people and connecting with mm-hmm. readers. And it took me a good year of figuring out how I could be just myself and my let my dork out and just be real on social media. And once I got that, I think it kind of let people know like, hey, I can be weird too. And so I have a lot of fun because it's just, to me, it's a friendship network. And um, I try not to let the word marketing freak me out or invade kind of the good vibes that we have on there. So I love it. Well, like you, I'm an introvert. And I think sometimes people confuse what an introvert is. It is not a shy person. An introvert is someone who needs to be alone in order to refuel themselves. So do Mm -hmm. you ever get physically tired doing a lot of social media? Do you ever have to just say, okay, this is too people-y, I need to back away? Yeah, I I have a pretty good balance in that I really only let myself hop on there for an hour a day. Um, And sometimes the hour is split up just because I know like I have a tendency to get overwhelmed with that and then it can yes. hinder me from being able to write and be creative because I'm so mentally yes. drained just from being on there. So I enjoy it up until the end of an hour and then usually I start getting tired. So I try to try to keep a good eye on how I'm doing with that so I can take a break and stay creative. That is a very good idea. Do you actually set a timer or do you just kind of look look at the clock? No, I just kind of look at the clock. Usually it ends up being a little less than an hour because I have down my rhythm of, okay, I post this and then I post that and then I check on those comments and then I go to work. And it's it's the same rhythm every morning and comes out to be about 45 minutes to an hour. And then sometimes oh, I hop back on in the evening just to catch up. I do. I'm, it you takes me a while, time. but I've got it down now. It makes me sound really organized, which I'm not, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I want to, I think of myself, I like to think of myself as organized. When I picture myself, I'm organized. <laughs> but the truth is, I'm super not organized. You are of the age, and I mentioned this to you earlier when we were messaging back and forth. It's conceivable because of your age that you had always had access to kind of computer techie kind of stuff. But when you started mm-hmm. out writing, you started out, and you swear by it, by a fountain pen. Did you not? Yes. You yes, love fountain pens. Why is that? I do. Well, um, it wasn't just when I started out writing. When I went to, when I started school in kindergarten, that is what we learned on. We learned on <gasps> fountain pens. Um, really? I was in school, yeah, and I didn't realize how unusual that was, but my most vivid memories of kindergarten is learning penmanship and studying, like, how to hold your pen properly so that you don't get hand cramps and so that you can write nicely and what to do if the ink blotches and all of this stuff that now that I'm older, I realize that's not normal, but that was how I learned to write. And so to me, it just made the art of writing a beautiful thing from the very start. Do you think it helped you learn how to write to start out with a fountain pen? Um, I think so, just because it was, delivered as a creative process instead of yeah, something I would think the kids would think school. that's neat yeah that's novel mm-hmm. I mean yeah. kids can go home and grab pencils all day long but that is really cool and you learned how to draw yeah. up ink and everything uh-huh yep wow wow okay well do you still write very often by pen or are you all computer all the time um, I kind of go back and forth, but I enjoy by pen more. It kind of depends on where I'm at with deadlines. If I'm pretty tight, then I'll do it on the computer just because I have to be able to write faster. 
But when I have the time and the luxury of a longer deadline, then I usually write by hand and I have notebooks that I write my stories in. And my dad got me this beautiful fountain pen as like a, your first book is out gift. And so I always use that. And uh, yeah, so I much prefer writing by hand, but it just depends on what time is allowing for. You know, when I interviewed Thomas Locke, uh, he said that he wrote his first draft out by hand and I started laughing and I didn't mean to laugh, but I said, is that an app or is that a real thing? You know, he goes, no, I literally write it out. Okay. Well, if you, if you do have the opportunity to write it out by hand, what does that process look like? Are you kind of a vomited out first draft person or do you write and then maybe cross out a line and then keep going? Or, or how does that look on the page if you're writing it by hand? Yeah, I edit a bit as I go. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of cross-outs or inserted notes. I make sure not to write my lines too closely together because I am going right. to be changing things. Um, right. And I try to plot a decent bit on the front end just so that it comes out cleaner. I can't right. turn out a nasty rough draft. Otherwise, I loathe the editing process. So I have to be able to enjoy the story as I'm writing it and so I do tend to go back and tweak and edit and make notes um, as I go so I plot and then um, just yeah make little little notes in the margins while I'm writing by hand so you're not one of those people Sometimes. that just vomited out to me and if listeners if you're wondering what we mean describe explain to listeners what vomited out means as far as writing <laughs> that just means kind of Throwing all the words on the page and getting your story from point A to point B, um, knowing where it needs to go, and then finishing it, and it's nasty. There's not great development or description. It's full of holes, and then you right. perfect it during the editing process. So Right. But that's not how you work with your first draft, correct? Correct. Um, I, tried I don't that. either. I'm so I... glad to hear you say that. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I tried it with my third book because I was on such a tight deadline and everyone just kept saying, just get the first draft out and just write it down. And so I did it and it was horrible. It was the worst editing and writing experience I've ever had with a book. And so I learned kind of the hard way that that is not my way of doing things. You know, I was really interested to ask you a lot of these questions because some of uh, the writers I've had on previously, when they do have a, a series of books, they wrote books prior to that series. So they kind of mm -hmm. had their writing shit down. But you're great to talk to about this because your first books were a whole series. And so I would imagine that between that first one and that third one, boy, that's a lot of quick growing up you have to do in the course of writing books. Did your process change a lot or was it just kind of automatic and it's just maybe tweaked here and there? No, it changed a lot. Um, my, I, I took three years writing my first book because I didn't have a deadline and then I got contracted. And at that point, I didn't even know if it was going to be a trilogy. I knew there was a second book and I had an idea of what needed to happen in that second book. I had no idea how the story ended and suddenly being contracted, I realized I had to have that stuff planned out and I had to right. write faster because I was given about eight months for book two and then six months oh, for book word. three to write them. Yeah. So coming off of a three year writing stint, that was, um, that was quite a shock to me. And 
uh, I I had to learn a lot as I went. So I turned to a lot of other authors who had been through that. Um, like Jill yeah. Williamson was really helpful. Um, and John Hottie and, you know, fellow, fellow right. authors from my publishing house. And they gave advice of, you know, plot it out or just get the words down. And um, they really helped me get through that. But after my third book, which just released in October, but I finished writing it almost a year before that because the publishing process takes a long time. I yes, took, I've just finished taking kind of a year off and re-examining plotting and re-examining um, the writing craft and finally getting my feet back under me and figuring out, okay, this is the process that works for me and this is how I can set myself up for success when it comes to deadlines and having to write fast and yeah, so I had to grow a lot, and I've heard that happens to a lot of new authors who are excited. They sign that contract, and then suddenly they're under deadline, and they don't know how to handle it. And I was, right. I was subject to that, but it was a good learning time, and I have a very gracious publisher. So um, all in all, I think my process went as well as it could have been with how ill-prepared I was, um, and I'm glad that I grew so much in the past several years. So you did say that when you finished that first book, you didn't know how it was all going to end, correct? Uh-huh. Oh, thank that you. I love, I love hearing that. You're wondering. <laughs> I love that. So to new authors who are writing books and they think, I don't know, maybe this is a series, they don't need to be stonewalled by the fact that they're not really sure how it ends. So they shouldn't let that allow them to keep them from presenting it to someone, correct? Correct. I wouldn't let that stop you. Um, I do think that it it creates some extra roadblocks that you'll have to deal with right. uh, in the future, but that's only natural. So I wouldn't let that stop you from writing, um, especially because if I had planned out the ending of the third book way back when I was writing the first book, I think it would have been a very different story. Um, the story Ooh. kind of grew with me as I was writing it, right. and then it allowed for a better ending than I think I could have planned when I was still uh, young in my craft back with book one. So did you decide on your own, hey, I think this is how it's going to end, or did you have an editor or agent that said, you know what, this would kind of be cool? Was it all you, or was there a little input from other people who had read the first book? It was all me, but I did sneakily ask questions from my reader. My reader, well, sure. so when, the second book, <laughs> when the second book released, I sent out a, what do you think is going to happen next questionnaire to see <laughs> what my readers, <laughs> what Suckers, they yeah. so that I could know, oh, don't forget about that character because everyone expects the conclusion of that character or I'd know what to avoid and what to do. And so I, I was a little sneaky, but for the most part, my husband is my soundboard. So he's the one who went oh, through the fantastic. process of developing the ending with me, but uh, I didn't really talk to anybody else. That's fantastic. And I'm glad you were able to um, kind of get some feedback from readers because, you know, I think sometimes as writers, we get a little single minded on things and we don't realize that the characters that may be stuck with readers. My, the first thing I'm thinking of is Stranger Things. I don't know if you watched that series on Netflix. Did you happen to watch that? I haven't. And I know that I'm I'm a rebel for having not watched it, but it no, it's okay. a little too high on the creep factor for me, so I'm not. Um, but you I'm know what? It reminds. So I might just read spoilers. <laughs> well, you know what? It's creepy. Have you seen the movie Pan's Labyrinth? 
No, I haven't. Okay. Well, as I say, but it's I a creep factor of Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's the same. Okay. Well, there's one character in Stranger Things who who dies, and it was never resolved. Well, she doesn't die. Okay, fans, you know she's in the Upside Down. <laughs> you know what that means. But it never resolved mm -hmm. itself. And people went nuts at the end of the series. What about Barb? What happened, Barbara? What happened to Barb? And so when they wrote that first that first series, they didn't know there would anybody would want to see more. And so now they're like, oh crud, what's happened to Barb? Now we got to figure out where Barb is. So it is great when you have fans because you know you wouldn't know that people actually connected with that girl that way. Okay, so from yeah. that first book to the third book, are you still? I, I believe you said you kind of plot. So you outline beforehand correct not really with those ones though i've been plotting with all of my ideas since then okay um, so okay. i used to yeah with this series i i knew what was going to happen at least in book two and i had it plotted in my mind but i didn't really get into hardcore plotting and right. i realized by the end of finishing book three that that I wouldn't be able to do that again with future books. It barely worked for me by the end of the series. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just because of how the story was or how my brain works, right. but um, I've grown to desire plotting more. And so now right. I plot and it really works for me, but I didn't plot too much with those early books. However, I did have an idea of where I wanted them to begin and end and go from there. What does plotting look like for you? Tell our listeners that. Um, well, I am a hardcore believer of Randy Ingermanson's book called Write Your no Novel Using the Snowflake Method. Snowflaker, um, so, okay. Yes, I am, which I, I resisted reading that book for years, and I couldn't even tell you why, but I, it just sounded unappealing to me, and I had this idea of what I thought it meant by plotting. Um, but once I finally picked it up, it is a really good fit for me. It's not a good fit for everybody. I know some authors who don't right. use it, but um, it seems to be a good fit for people who consider themselves panthers and people who consider themselves plotters. This is like mm -hmm. a gap bridging book. So, um, yeah, so I just start the way it's broken down is you start with a one sentence concept of the story and you have to summarize the whole story in a sentence and then you grow that to a paragraph and then you grow that into a one-page summary and you do that with both the plot and characters bouncing back and forth between plot and characters until it's completely developed so it has i think nine or ten stages and i usually only go until stage five or so and then i start writing the book so it's nice because if you're a panther you could just go through plotting through stage two and then begin to write or if you're a hardcore plotter you might go all the way through stage 10 and then write and so it's it's a good balance and it really works for me it's the way my brain works um so that's what i use you know what i i resisted it too for a really long time and i'm still having a hard time embracing it do you feel and i've always said the snowflake method is the guy that your parents have told you to date and you won't for the simple fact that your parents told you to date him, but he's probably the best guy for you. <laughs> um, do you feel like you're writing more than you need to write when you use that method? Um, I do get to that point, but when I hit that point and I recognize it, then I just start writing <laughs> my book. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't follow it religiously. Um, I follow bits and pieces that I like and that works for me. And so then I start writing 
when I think I'm ready to write. And that's what I like okay. about it in that I feel like I can stray from the path and still end up with a good book. So, uh, right. Yeah. But you feel like at this point you've developed, hey, this is what my method is. I know this. I know how this works now. Or are you still kind of, I think, I think this is how I am. I mean, are you very, are you pretty much decided on this is my method? Yes. I've tried yes. a lot of methods over the past couple years and this is it. So I definitely feel like I'm there and I have my rhythm and I'm excited about what that means for hopefully future books that come out faster than my previous series did. I was going to say, now that you have your, your method down, that that would cut off some a good bit of time on the writing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, good. It's good to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Okay. <laughs> Tell folks about the Out of Time series. Okay. Well, in a nutshell, um, it's a dystopian series, which means it's a little bit futuristic about a society right. where everybody has a clock telling them exactly how long they have to live. And I love that. The main character, the story starts where the main character, she just has one year left to her life, and she realizes, I haven't done anything with my life yet. And so she spends that year kind of trying to find purpose, which, of course, leads her into a whole bunch of scrapes and illegal uh, situations that gives her quite the story she didn't expect. So that's the story in a nutshell. That is such, I love that idea. Because, you, you know... I, I personally don't want to know when I'm going to die. I'm not a control freak. I'm okay with Jesus having that stopwatch. I don't want to see it. But, you know, we would all live a little bit different if we had, you know, the stopwatch in our – and it's stressful. I, but I love that idea. I absolutely love it because there's stress added to it, and then there's it just the concept. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a point in the, in the, per, in the process of the series, no matter how much you loved it, no matter how much you enjoyed it. Did you ever think, why did I not make this just one book? How could I, why didn't I just have this poor little Miss Blackwater just get it all over with in the course of one book? Time's up. Thank you. The end. Was there ever a point where you just got, <laughs> oh, I can't do any more of this? Um, not really. Probably because when I first started writing it, I actually thought it was going to be one book. I'm not going to tell you how it, the story differed in my mind at that time, but it okay. was a very different story. And okay. so then when I got the contract, um, which I was contracted when Jeff Gerke was still the owner right. of Enclave, which was March or Lord Fest back then. And he right. said, okay, so how many books is this going to be? Because I think it needs to be more than one. And, oh, uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. And so then that's when we ended up signing a three-book contract because I started to realize at the end of writing book one, that the story was a lot larger than what I right. expected. And I think that translated into my delivery of Parvin, the main character, because she right. views it as kind of this small story that's just her story. And then by the end of the first book, she realizes it's much bigger than what she expected. So it was kind of interesting. I felt like both my main character and I kind of learned the same lesson at the same time. And because of that, I was excited to tell the bigger story. And I never really got, got sick of it. Because um, this is a story of my heart. So I'm sure I'll probably get sick of future books that I write. But right. um, this one, once I figured out how it needed to end, I knew that it just wouldn't be complete until it went all that way. How did you come up with the name Parvin Blackwater? 
That's a cool name. That's a super cool name. Oh, I thank you. Well, I think people will be a little bummed in how I came up with it. I got her name from a street sign. So there's There's nothing wrong with that. I know. But it was funny because I had spent days looking through name books and like looking at baby names because I'm very insistent on every name having a meaning to it. Me whether that's too. a meaning only Thank I you. know. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, or whether it's a meaning that's actually associated with that name. And I couldn't find one that fit her and it was driving me crazy. And at the time, I was commuting an hour um, every day for my internship to finish grad school. And I kept passing all these different street signs. And one day, I noticed Harvin Road. And there was this little voice in my head that said, that's her name. And I thought, no, it's not. That can't be her name. I don't even know if that is a name. And who knows what it means? It could mean anything. And so I really fought against it. But I liked the sound of the name. But Mm -hmm. I had no idea what it meant. And so then when I got home, I looked up the meaning and I kind of broke it down. And the meaning is shared in book two. But it ended up being absolutely perfect for her character growth. And so that was definitely a God thing, even though it's sort of a silly story, um, saying I found it on a street sign. Like God had that kind of planned. and I love that. And thankfully it was a name. Yeah, so I love the story behind her name even though it's a little a little different than what we normally hear well I love it because I you know a lot of what writers get their ideas are just normal everyday kind of things it they're not these mm-hmm. deep searches through books sometimes it is just a, a street sign and I love Blackwater you know there's a Blackwater River I grew up near Blackwater River and actually my family name on my mother's side means dark water have you ever been to Blackwater oh, River wow. Um, yeah, I drive over it. That's where I got her last name. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I grew up near uh, Blackwater River. In, there's a Blackwater River in Florida. And it's not black. It's more like really dark coffee. But yes, from a distance, it absolutely okay. does look back, look black. And oh my goodness, Nadine, we're running out of time. Okay. I, this is something I have to ask. This is jumping subjects. I know that you have a master's in speech language pathology. How does that, how does that affect you as a writer? Does it affect you in any way? Because I would think words, you would be very much into the way words sound and and how does it affect you? Does it? Yeah, um, I think it does in ways that I don't always realize. Um, One is in, yes, how words sound. um, But I studied, you know, there's so much to speech therapy and a lot of that is studying communication. So I think it allows me to really think through what is the form of communication that each character uses and how is that different Mm -hmm. from other characters. And it helps me analyze my characters better. Um, And I also think that it allows me to set better goals for myself um, and for my writing because I spent years of goal setting for different speech clients and um, helps me to be a bit more organized of benefits and it, it broadened my thinking a lot in how I deliver I, characters and I absolutely can see how it would um, I have twins and they had to be in speech therapy because they had developed they didn't have a language but they had a dialect and we had to mm. break them of their little dialect and so I was around speech language and it is more than just can you pronounce a th can you pronounce an f do you stutter there is so yeah. much to it about the way you hear things and the way you see things in your yeah. head. 
Okay. Um, let's see where, oh, I'm having to cross out so many questions. This isn't fair. Okay. Oh, no. We are running out of time. Okay. How long did you take off after you finished the out of time series? How long of a break did you give yourself? I took off a year. You took off a year. Mm -hmm. And so if you took off, that means you must have started something else. That was a trick question and I lured you into it and I'm yeah. sorry. So are you working? So are you possibly working on anything else? I am. I'm working on a couple different ideas, all of which I'm very, very excited about. Um, I can't give details yet, but um, I'm hoping that I'll have some news within the next couple months for my readers. Oh, okay. So I've been working on and plotting, and um, I feel like I'm in a really good place where I'm finally beginning to write. So hopefully good. I'll have some more information to share in the future. Okay. So when you took that time off, was there ever a time where you absolutely did not write anything? Or did that physically hurt too much to not write? Um, no, I, I definitely took off some, some time without writing and I spent a lot of time reading and just reading in the genre yes. that I write, catching up on all Thank the books you. to be aware of what's out there. Um, right. And that's inspiring the creative still. It's just not mm -hmm. coming out in the form of writing a novel. So, right. Yeah. Right. You do, you go through times where you, you think, okay, I, I need a break right now. But then you start kind of getting, um, you know how it is, you get the voices in your head. You get bombarded and you think, okay, this has to mm -hmm. get out of my system. And so you physically, so yeah. if those of you who are just getting into writing, if you have one of those days where you just feel like your chest is full and you think, okay, I, I need to talk to myself a lot or just sit down and write. That's, the, that's your sign. That's the official birth contractions. You need to sit down and write. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, would you agree? Isn't that kind of how it feels? Yes, I completely agree. All right. It is, okay, one more time before we finish up, to find Nadine Brandis on social media, spell your name for everybody. Uh, N-A-D as in dog, I-N-E, and then Brandis is B as in boy, R-A-N-D-E-S. Yes, and I'll go ahead and tell you folks, if you do misspell the last name, you're still going to find her, I promise. All right. It is a <laughs> tradition on the geek block to to end with some rapid fire questions are you ready i'm ready okay geek block listeners you know that these generally have to do with the person's genre but they can also just have to do with something that i know for a fact the author likes and so here we go question one better castle helms deep hyrule castle zelda fans or howl's moving castle uh howl's moving castle oh what a cool movie that is Okay, and Guardians of the Geek. Oh, I, I know you are. I know you and Jeff Gerke both. You both need nerd t-shirts with his name on it. Okay, in <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, Star-Lord's real name is Peter what? Quill. Yes, very good. Ding, ding, ding. In the movie Inception, how can you tell if you're caught in a dream? Uh, oh, my goodness. I should know this. If you're... Mm, something's not real. I can't remember. <laughs> remember, it's a little tiny thing you can keep in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Your little uh, token. That's not what it's called. Yes. Called that little spinning yeah. top. That, I cannot tell yeah. you how many times I've been out doing something. I've looked at somebody. I said, if you got a spinning top, this can't be happening. All right. <laughs> Super awesome and pretty stinking cute astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson had a really big problem with the boat sinking scene in the movie version of Titanic. 
what was the problem that Neil deGrasse had with the final scene when everybody's in the water of Titanic? What was his issue? Remember, he's an astrophysicist. I have no idea. Um, he has something to do with stars. I figured, and I, I was it the wrong constellation? It was the wrong, yes, it was the wrong sky for that day. Can you imagine being that smart that you're sitting and watching a movie and the scene comes up and you point out and say, that's not how that constellation looked. He did. James Cameron actually used it from a different date and he actually uh, did a reflection. So he actually split the screen and one side of the screen was a reflection on the other. And Neil deGrasse Tyson lost his stuff. He wrote James Cameron and wow. said he absolutely had to fix that. And so for the uh, second release of it, James Cameron had fixed the sky. So that corresponded with that date. How cool is that? Okay. That's really cool. That is really cool. I would love to know that kind of stuff in my head at all times. Last but not least, I always end the show with this question. Worst superpower, superhuman strength only while wearing a non-flattering swimsuit or the ability to stop criminals only by spraying them as a skunk? <laughs> um, probably the skunk. Oh, I know. You know what? At some point, you can just be okay with yourself to say, yeah, the swimsuit does not look good on me. Deal with it. Look how strong I am. But the skunk, that requires yep. a whole different kind of outfit. It does. <laughs> All right. Yes, it Thank does. You and so, go ahead. Oh, I did absolutely. Oh, no kidding. That's a whole different level of confidence, too. And aim without looking. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can we have you back after you finish your super secret project that you'll tell us about in a couple months? Of course, please do. Thank you so much. And that ends the show for us. Thank you for being on with us, Nadine. Thanks for having me. Come find me online. All right. Yes, Nadine Brandes, look her up. Her website is really cool. And I'm gonna tell you what, if I find it easy to maneuver, it is officially easy to maneuver. That is us. That's it for us today on the Geek Block. If you would like me to edit your fight scenes, please contact me through Quill Pen Editorial. And in the meantime, head over to FightRight, F-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E dot net. I took a little bit of time off during the holidays, went to some a knife conference. I could not have looked more out of, out of place in that conference if I had walked in wearing a banana costume, I promise you. But I had a ton of fun. So I will be getting back to fight right pretty soon. In the meantime, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Nadine. And folks, have an absolutely blessed and geeky day. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.